if you care for your health, never get in a ball pit. Are you saying people are wanking in the ball pit? I am saying people are wanking in the ball pit. It all happens. My word. <laughs> this took a turn, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
to have a walk around, breathe a bit of fresh air, try and centre myself a little bit before I face whatever challenge is coming in the day. When you say centre yourself, yeah, what does that feel like? Oh, I think it's mainly about just trying to forget about everything else that's going on in London for an hour or so. You know. I ask as someone that would like to censor myself. Yes. So I'm, I'm curious as to how it feels <laughs> and what you do to achieve it. Well, I think, I think partly the reason this place appeals to me so much is because I come from quite a rural place up in the northeast and I grew up around the countryside and it feels very much like home to be in the countryside. I mean, you can see here that we can actually see the city straight in front of us now. Yes, but yeah, it, we're, we're looking out across this marvellous vista. Yes, quite a Stamford Hill. <laughs> Stamford Hill, but it's, it's still very beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's always beautiful here. And I think the thing that centres me the most about it is that it, sometimes in the urban landscape, it can feel like nothing's really changing, apart from the weather, maybe. Uh, but here, every time I come here, you can see a small change. You know, something in nature is changing. The animals that are around are changing. The plants are changing. And uh, there's something really gratifying about that, knowing that time is passing. Because sometimes I think in London, you can feel like you're in a constant cycle of nothing really changing. That's absolutely <laughs> true. It's, you know, it's so fast it's so kind of loud mm. you can get so trapped in your own head sometimes that yeah. you need you need a moment to look around and see the world aging and changing around you yeah absolutely. if you don't get to come here what happens <laughs> like in the morning is your day altered yeah well i'm touring quite a bit at the moment and that has been a real learning curve for me because I, it's also the act of walking is very important for me yeah. i think i've kind of instilled it into myself. I'm a bit like, you know, like a really big dog that if you don't take it out for a really good walk every day, it won't go to sleep at night. Yes, well, that's I think me. that's probably all dogs, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm that dog. Yeah. I mean, while we were filming Drag Race, we were staying in a hotel that was basically on a compound that you're not allowed to leave. You don't have any contact with the outside world. Sounds nice. And uh, we literally walked around a car park, me and one of the chaperones, one of the amazing <laughs> women that was looking after us. I would go and walk around the car park every day. Everyone else would go to the gym, maybe, or there was a swimming pool. People would go to the swimming pool. Yes. But um, I don't know. There's something about getting from A to B under your own steam that uh, feels good, especially yeah. in the morning as well. Well, that makes it sound a bit like being in a, a sort of maximum security prison where you just walk around the oh, yard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like. <laughs> what, what did you miss the most while you were, while you were filming? Uh, I think I'm supposed to say my partner, but it was probably my cats. I'm okay. not going to lie. Yeah, that's fine. But you know what? If your partner loves you, they, they already know that. Yes. They yes, know exactly. that deeply already. Exactly. You seemed to go about the whole thing with a very sort of affable yet workmanlike mindset. Where <laughs> is that fair or does that sound a bit like... No, I think that's fair. Yeah. But <laughs> it's maybe, maybe not complimentary, but it is fair. <laughs> but then it was also the key, I think, as to why so many people... I feel like I'm talking about you like a sort of lab experiment, but like why, why so many people sort of like, I think like really warmed to you quite quickly because your approach was sort of markedly different from a lot of people that go on the show. Um, and I think at one, there's something quite, obviously something kind of quite like UK about it. Like people kind of um, associated with it in a way. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I just tried to take every day as if it was a new job because it was, you know, one day your job is being a musical, another day your job is do stand up, another day your job is make an outfit. And they are my jobs, you know, that, they're, they're the jobs that I do every day. So yes. I was just trying to keep my head down and get on with it, really. Yeah, I think that, that, that did come across and it was, I think it was a 
it was a massive positive, really. It was really like fun to watch. Did you see that the, they have a sandwich board outside as you come in that tells you the different wildlife that's been spotted in the last month? No, I um, didn't. And that is uh, amazing. It's always stunning to see that. Any big cats? <laughs> maybe at night, at okay. twilight, you know. Yeah, maybe, I think maybe that's what... Because this area, I was saying before, very you know, famous for being a place that everyone sort of moved to five years ago. You know, lots of developments and artisanal gin distilleries and yes. things like that, which is good. But maybe what it really needs is some sort of semi-mythical creature that stalks these wetlands. I mean, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I am that semi-mythical creature. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hell of a sort of hobby to have is to come out under the cover of darkness wearing what I can only, what, some sort of like leotard. Yeah. Just prowling around these fields right here, hunting yeah. geese. I think sequins is a great way to stand out on a nature reserve as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that would optimize my spotting potential. That would be it. Yeah. And then the next day they can add a little picture of, you know, uh, the ginger monster. Well, I, can't, I can't think of a name, but yeah. So the We're board. going monster, not beauty, are we? Sorry. We're going to be yeah. the monster. Okay, oh, fine. <laughs> digging a hole here. This is bad. Yeah. Could have been a unicorn, going to be a gorgon. Is that how we're going with this? Well, do you know what? If you leave it up to them to imagine it, then that's scary than anything you can come up with you know it's yeah, like true. It's same as Jaws out of all the jobs that you just mentioned which one are you sort of most closely associated with do you think which one do you enjoy the most oh I don't know you know I think sometimes I, I do love performing and I love being on stage and I love connecting with an audience but I think the ideas part of it is my favorite part um, because that's what I spend most of my time doing. You know, you, you might be on stage for an hour in the evening, yeah. but the rest of the day, it's just you and your ideas. So yeah. that's the bit that I'm most closely connected to. I was going to ask mm. your show at the Soho Theater. Yeah. It's going to end like pretty soon, but it was a solo show. Is it Ginger All The Way? Yes, that's right. How did it go? It's been really, really fun. Excellent. It's been really fun. It's been interesting because uh, I'm sort of having to relearn my relationship with my audience a little bit. Okay. Because it used to be, when nobody really knew who I was or what I was doing, um, it used to be that my job with the audience was I would come out and I'd have to convince them to like me, you know, and, yes, and let yes. them get to know me over the period of the show. But now when I come out, they all know everything about me and they've all made up their mind and they all want to see me. So yeah. it's, been a, it's been a really fun but also challenging thing to sort of renegotiate how that relationship works. How do I take them from this like 200% energy level, which yeah. you can't keep them at for an hour. It's impossible. No. You know? Yeah, but the show's been, it's been great. It's been a, bit, a little bit of a victory lap, really, I think. But that sounds like a really great time. But yeah, the main thing you're saying is once the audience wants to see you already and they know who you are and they've, they've sat down on the BBC and watched you sort of do your thing, like they're ready to laugh and be entertained. You yeah. haven't got to win them over. Yeah, and sometimes the fight is the most fun bit. Well, I was going to say, does it, make, <laughs> does it make you want to alienate them a bit or to sort of like... Um, to scare them slightly, I don't know. Well, one op one opportunity it does give me is to subvert the expectation that they have of me. Okay. Um, which isn't, it's not too far away from what I normally do because I think the version of Ginger Johnson that they've seen on the TV, it isn't really, 
it's not exactly what you get when you come on stage, you know, okay. the, because that's through somebody else's lens. Um, and I think a lot of people have been surprised by what the live version of Ginger is yeah. like. Is it more like Gigi Allen, like a lot of vomit and <laughs> human effort? Yeah, it, it's all blood work. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think it's a, maybe a bit more challenging, yeah. a bit more political. Right. And if it's possible, even more ridiculous. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm always aiming for the ridiculous. You did a very good interview with uh, Time Out Where I Work, where you sort of compared drag to a particular story about um, Barbara Cartland. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then I read that and I was like, that is such a good explanation of what drag <laughs> is. Do you want to say what? Say the story now? So this is one of my favorite things about Barbara Cartland is that she, um, first of all, she didn't really write a lot of the books that she's famous for writing. She had a team of women that were writing them. Classy. Uh, yeah. And she also was sort of, her wealth, a lot of it was pretend. And when she died and they emptied her house in the great big master bedroom with the huge double four-poster bed, when they stripped it back, it was actually a pile of cardboard boxes with sheets over the top of it, <laughs> uh, which is just perfect, you know? And, and that is drag, you know? Yeah. That is the pretense of something very glamorous and underneath it's propped up by a load of rubbish. That's drag to me. Are there other sort of heroes that you'd sort of draw experience from that might be unexpected? Um, maybe my comedy heroes might be a bit unexpected. I really love uh, Vic and Bob, Risa Mortimer. They've always been a big inspiration for me. Amazing mainly guys, because yeah. of how silly they are. Yes. Uh, and I think silliness has always just appealed to me. I think it's a really good way to undercut how seriously everybody tries to take themselves because that's what we're encouraged to do. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it, it's kind of courageous, isn't it, to retain the um, childlike mentality, not childishness. Yeah. I think... I don't know. I, I have a bit of a theory forming about this, and I'm not. Yeah. I, it, this might not be too articulate well, at the moment. Test it on of, me, and I'll okay. let you know if it sounds like bollocks. <laughs> Please do. Um, I think. I think the reason we try not to let our inner idiot out is because we're worried that people will think we are unreliable or unprofessional yeah. or unserious, or that we somehow are irresponsible, and. I think it's the opposite of that. I think if you can show how much of an idiot you are, it means you've got an understanding of how much everything we do is just artifice. You yes, know? yeah. Okay, well, it's been a lovely old time wandering around uh, the wetlands with you, Ginger. Maybe it's time we move on to the next location. Yeah, I think it's time to go to the business end, isn't it? It We've is. We've had the pleasure, now it's time for business. <laughs> <laughs> It is amazing how different this looks and feels to the wetlands, considering yes. how, how close it is. We're now walking down, is this Walthamstow High Street? Yeah, that's right. I keep hearing this is the longest market in Europe or something like that. Is have, it? Have you, okay. What, lo longest in length or longest in time? Well, like, what do you mean longest? Just length. Like, I think <laughs> oh, right, it's, like, okay. it's about a kilometre long. I was hoping that you were going to shed some sort of light on this. But obviously I was mistaken. No, sorry, don't know much about that. Mm. I, I come here because on this road, there are eight or nine fabric shops. All right, okay. Um, all with varying quality, varying styles, varying types of fabrics. And this is where I come to buy almost all of the fabric that I make my drag out of. Do you have a favorite? Yes, I do. My favorite's just down here. Fabric Store 2, very inventive name. Right, okay. Um, is this our second location? Yes, it is, it is. So the way I normally work here, um, because I come here regularly to do this, I start up at the top, up mm. at the tube station, and I work my way down the high road and I go into every single one and see 
what's available and then I get down to the bottom and then I'll maybe have a little sausage roll and a can of Coke down at the end of the street That's and work out where I'm going to go back to. Yep. And then I work my way back up the road and buy the fabrics that I, that I want to use that day. In between doing that and walking around the entirety of the wetlands, <laughs> How do you find time to do anything else? That sounds like I an entire day. I get up really days. early. <laughs> <laughs> Are you actually no, a very early riser? Uh, more, no, more now than I used to be, yeah. Mm. I, I think I was very much a nighttime person for uh, my 20s. You yes. know, I was in nightclubs a lot, doing that kind of thing. Well, and you that, were part of Sync the Pink, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I was, I was. And uh, now I've transitioned more into doing sort of theatre work and writing and that kind of thing. I'm definitely more of a daytime person, so this is part of my daytime routine. This is the one. Excellent. Well, yeah, lead the way. Let's go on <laughs> in. Okay, let's go. Oh, it's quite busy today. Well, it's an amazing smell as you walk in yeah, as well. Yeah, it's fab, isn't it's it? It's actually just materials yeah. and stuff. <laughs> If you were just here by yourself, where would you just like walk towards? What would well, be your... I would definitely go immediately to this yellow and green number because she looks great. Yeah. And it's got a bit of stretch, bit of hound's tooth, classic, wonderful. Yeah. Redolent of lilt, the colours of lilt. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is a bit lilty. I could see that. There's sort of a grapefruit and pineapple situation happening it's here. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah. very eye catching. It's good. How much would that set you back? Oh, who knows? Well, it says up on the wall here, that all, all of these are three pounds a metre, which is pretty three good. Three pounds a metre. I love that that's how these uh, shops are divided. They're not divided into what's available. It's all by price because a lot of this is sort of job lot or, you know, if you but if you see something here that you want, you can't come back next week and get it because it might be gone. Right, you know, I see. Uh, yeah. that, that's sort of how it works here. But you don't recognise that from last time, so that's... No, this is new. I haven't seen this before. I haven't seen this, but I might end up that's shopping sort of... here. Can I shop while we do this? <laughs> do you know what? You absolutely can, yeah. This is an immersive shopping experience. But it's sort of an amazing mix. A lot of these fabrics will be um, like fabrics that were made for designers. Okay. And that when they've finished with them and they clear out their studios, they sort of go back into the fabric ecosystem. So these these sequins up on the in the window there. I see. They're from a designer. I actually have a few outfits made out of those those different patterns of sequins. Right. Um, but yeah, you can find anything you could possibly want in this place. That's great. I mean, it's cool hearing you talk about it as well because this isn't just someone who likes clothes. This is someone that likes making stuff as well. Oh, yeah. This is looking at it from like a crafting perspective. Yeah. What I really like about this kind of fabric shop, rather than somewhere that is sort of um, routinely stocked with the same things, mm. is I come here for inspiration. So I don't come here with a list of things that I want. I come here with an idea of what I might want to look like or where I'm going to go or what the vibe of my outfit might be. And then I come and discover whatever is available here. And the idea changes and grows as I'm in here, you know, same as, as part of the design process. I see, yeah. I enjoy that some of these fabrics might be bought by ladies to make dresses to go to church. And I use them to make costumes to go to the nightclub. Yeah. I, like, I like the duality of that. You know, I think that's quite fun. It's a form of church, I suppose. Yeah. This one's great. Look at this combination. This sort of, What would you call this? this? Is like neon tangerine Gosh. and dusky pink at the same time in a little ombre sequin. I mean, come yeah. on. That's, a kind that's of fashion right there. Titillating <laughs> pink, yeah. What color is that? It's a, it's a fluoro. In the magazine world, you call that a fluoro, those oh, colors. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, um, they're quite expensive to put on mm. the cover of a magazine. Right. But it's a, it's, a lovely, it's a lovely thing. Was any of the stuff bought here filmed oh yeah uh, absolutely about half of it really I think. I think my entrance look the fabric for my entrance look is on a roll at the end of, at the end over there yes that was when you, you came in and you had a very well placed poop joke <laughs> <laughs> is that right I remember a poop joke has to be well placed or it's uncouth you no, know? Exactly, and I wouldn't yeah. want to be uncouth I mean mm. maybe I'll buy uh, some of this for you as a present <laughs> but, but are you I, th I think this suits you more than me are you fixing for an outfit here 
if if you were to make something out of it, yeah. I would also I would uh, treat it as a commission and, and, and pay you for it. But I also, I'd like to I'd like to get you something for you to remember today with. Okay, fab. And then if you are to, to create something with it, every time you wear it, every time someone else wears it and stuff, you'll sort of remember where it came from. Okay, amazing. I, I like the idea of doing that. But should we should we go for this one? The yeah, one? why not? She's good. Yeah, she's, she's good. good. I like she's that. She's very good. Let's do it. Let's get let's get some of this. Okay, fab. Let's go for it. Do I just bring this to the front? Yeah, take it up here. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> um, do you know Ginger? <laughs> yeah, uh, from the telly and everything. This is yeah. number one sequin dealer in London. Yeah, <laughs> so I hear. Uh, what was your name, sorry? Aurora. Aurora, it's very nice to meet you. Lovely to meet you. Please may I have uh, five meters of this fabric for Ginger? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, amazing, thanks. What would your drag name be if you were in drag? Do you know what? I was going to ask you that later. Don't, you, don't you, you call yourself a warlock? That's right, isn't it? I don't think I do. I mean, oh, do you know what I have done? Yes. yes in the past. I know yeah. more about you than you know about you. Yeah. No, but I don't, I don't do it. I would say I don't do it regularly. Maybe something to do with royalty. Because yeah. sometimes, only as a joke, right. I would refer to myself as the, the king of London. Because it's such a okay. it's such an unsympathetic thing to I call yourself. I think Charles might have something to say about that. He might. Anyway, he's the king of something else. I, I suppose. think you could take him though. No. Oh, do you know what? In, in a the, duel, he's in the size of his hands. If he hits you, you're staying hit. Yeah, I, true, I reckon he true, can, he can throw a punch. We can let that percolate throughout the day. Okay, maybe. all right, we'll work on that. Yeah, we'll we can come, come to it later. All right, Aurora. Thank you very, very much. I'll see you soon. I'll be back. Bye. You're like a kid in a sweet shop in there. You kept seeing... Yeah, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I love it. When you came to London initially, was it to work with fabric? Yes. Actually, the first job that I got when I came to London was making costumes for an artist called Scotty. I, came, I think I know that name. Yeah. I yeah. came to do a show with them, and uh, I had made my own costumes for the show, and they said, who made your costumes? Right. And I said I'd made them, and they said, if you move to London, I will pay you to make me a costume every week. Oh. And that was it. Next day, got on the Megabus, moved to London. That's a dream, <laughs> yeah. What a bloody offer. Yeah, it was good. Well, that was really wicked to look around in there. Should we move on to the third location Yeah, now? let's go. Let's yeah. go. So we're now in the bougie Walthamstow <laughs> village. Yes. And this is where the new theatre is going to be, is that right? Yeah, just back there off the main road, the new Soho Theatre in Walthamstow is going to open there, I think in 2025. Yes, quite confusing to call it the Soho Theatre Walthamstow. Yes. But, you know, it's good that it's here at all, I think. I can't believe how a thousand, a thousand seater as well. Yeah, a thousand seater, which is so exciting for the area, you know, yeah. not just uh, artistically, but, you know, the business and the jobs that it's going to bring into the area are really exciting. Absolutely. And it's not just a venue, it's also going to be a real creative community hub with artists working there and yes. loads of community outreach. And it's a really exciting thing for the area. Are you going to try and get in on it somehow? Absolutely, I yeah. want to be on there at some point, totally, yeah. Do you think if you hadn't have become a performer, there would have been any way to have kept you away from set design and costumes and things like that? Because that's obviously what you're drawn towards. Yeah, well, for, for a while, I've, set design was what I was doing. I was doing set and costume for quite a while, sort of in the background. Right. You know, it's not easy to make a full-time living doing drag. No. You know, that's, that's not really a thing 
that exists or an opportunity that exists for a lot of people. So I've done all sorts of jobs in the meantime, but set design is one of my favorite things. Yeah, I can and imagine. It's definitely something that I think I want to come back to later, you know, in my life and in my career. And I often design my own sets for my shows as well. Yeah, once you've sold out a 31-day run at the Soho Theatre Waldenstow, <laughs> and you can lay, lay the wig down. <laughs> oh, no, the wig can come with me. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you remember the moment where you were like, I really, really have to be on stage? Yeah, uh, well, I remember them. Well, that that's since as long as I can remember but I remember very specifically the moment when I knew that drag was something that I was really going to throw all my effort into when was that that was it would be 2009 I think it was right I came here on a costume job I was making costumes for a show for a company called fittings multimedia they'd made a show called raspberry that was about I think it was Ian Jury it was the story of Ian Jury's life and they'd been on tour and their tour van had been broken into and all the costumes had been stolen. Oh. And they'd gotten to London and they had a week until it opened in London and they needed everything to be replaced. So I got the job doing that. And then on opening night, the director of the show s said, oh, do you want to come with us down the road? Our friends got a show down the road. And I'd never really been to London before. It turned out that down the road was the RVT. Because wow. the show was at Oval House. And um, it was David Hoyle at the RVT. And you were like this sort of country mouse. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And my idea of drag was um, very much the drag that was going on in Newcastle at the time, which wasn't maybe as um, alternative as what yeah. David Hoyle does. And I remember sitting and seeing David perform and thinking, if drag can be this, mm. then it can be anything. And that's something I want to get involved in. So that was a real turning point for me. It changed my life, honestly changed my life. Because, you know, like your work has in it, like the, you were saying substance, there's always, there's a sort of political uh, yeah. undercurrent to it, obviously. I mean, drag is political. Yes. It has to be. Well, but when you compare it to the stuff that was, you know, you said in, in Newcastle or in the Northeast, what sort of stuff was that? Well, I think that that drag, that's more sort of traditional drag, lip syncing, uh, uh, a lot of stand up, I guess you could say is part of it. but. It, that's not to say that that stuff isn't political either, because mm. in the climate within the Northeast and within Newcastle, that's a political act in itself. I think the stuff that I've discovered when I came to London was maybe a bit more knowingly political yeah. and a bit more issue focused right. and was pushing the envelope a little bit more. Um, but the scene in Newcastle has really, really changed since I left. I, I was back there recently and the queer scene especially has really risen up there. And the people that stayed rather than leave like I did have really put the hard yards in. And the queer scene in Newcastle is amazing now. And the drag coming out of there is really inspiring. It's, oh, well, that's brilliant. It's fab. Anyway, we've just walked down a side street in an industrial estate. Yep to what I believe is our third location. Do That's you want right. to say uh, where we are? Yes, we are at God's Own Junkyard, <gasps> which is an amazing collection of neons and lightworks and advertising paraphernalia and stuff from fairgrounds and movie sets, um, all sort of curated by Chris Bracey. And uh, it's just an amazing, shining, technicolor world that is so inspiring to me. Well, I can't wait to have a look. I know all about it because it's very, very uh, well known in media, but I've never been. I've oh, ne never been in. Yeah, yeah. Great. So, yeah, please lead the way. Here we go. Let's do it. Okay, okay. Well, we're just walking through into the door and, and woof into this big old room full of neon. Do you want to describe what we're seeing? 
Oh, it sort of looks like uh, a giant monster ate Vegas and then puked it up again. Yes. That, uh, and that, that, that is complimentary. <laughs> it's a very, very good description of it. Like proper Americana. Lots of stuff that I remember from like Soho. Like back in the day, what yeah. Soho used to have so much neon. And still yeah. get a few bits. Quo Vardis sign. Bar Italia. Yeah. Uh, the Soho more? stuff now, though, the stuff that's there that's the newest stuff is kind of referential of the older stuff. It's lost. The stuff I, the thing I love about Neon especially is that faded glamour of yes. it. The sort of, the, the nastiness around the edge. You can see the workings of it. You know, you can see w what's propping up the lighting. You can see the, the metal outline of everything. I think there's something really fun about the artifice of that, that from a distance, it's this magical aurora <laughs> yeah. borealis of stuff. And then you get close and it's like, oh no, this is, this is light bulbs. This is just <laughs> light bulbs. Does that make, if you were then, if so if you were looking, at the, uh, the table of elements is neon the most is that the most drag element on the <laughs> elemental table maybe i guess it could be i mean i'm not a chemist so me neither <laughs> actually yeah you, well you make a very good show of it <laughs> you could you could have made up a different element i wouldn't have known you could have said well actually there's this one element which is incredibly uh, sparkly from a distance no but neon neon is a, it's a wonderful thing let's uh have a, let's go for a wander and see mm. bubblegum machines I feel like they're not long for this world, like, you know. No, well, who'd choose bubblegum yeah, anymore? Yeah, no one really. It's been replaced by fidget spinners and Tamagotchis. <laughs> Gen Z. Oh, Tamagotchi, you're showing your age with that, I'm afraid. <laughs> hey, no, do you know what? They made a comeback. Did they? Yeah, kids in the club, I've been reliably informed, were wearing Tamagotchis. Wow. Yeah, on their belts and stuff like that. Wow. And they were also carrying around, I've seen a return of like uh, digital cameras. Like, really? like not phones, but proper cameras, I've noticed. The, the sight of a digital camera frightens me because when I was at university, this was before everyone had a really good camera on their phone. Mm. People would go out with a digital camera, take 500 pictures of the night out, of yeah. like every second of every shot of every drunken thing that happened. Yeah. And then they would all go into the internet the next day, every yes. single one of them. That was such a short-lived, but like incredibly real moment in time. The Facebook album era yeah when everyone just had like night out bradford yeah february 14th and people would rush to tag themselves yep. in those pictures now a picture of me appears on the internet and i'm like get this away <laughs> <laughs> no thank <Eliminate> you <laughs> nobody needs to see this it's weird that everyone's lives were, were were documented in such detail between the years of 2006 and 2009 and that's it yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah which is possibly the one of the worst periods for fashion in history as well which is a little bit well, sad isn't it it was the skinny tie era wasn't it awful it, you you could say a cultural like black hole yes music nothing the kooks the, the kooks <laughs> the kooks was as good as it gets so it's almost a cruel joke that god is playing on us that we are forced to relive that era over and over again yeah because we chose to take photos of every millisecond of every day newcastle was awash with pointy shoes that's all i remember yes men with like paul weller haircuts and very long pointy shoes right ridiculous yeah like marionette puppets yeah with the very the skinny jeans the pointy yes. shoes it was a bad look yeah awful there's lots of bits and pieces from movies in here as well. Yeah. And some of the stuff was uh, specifically made for movies. I know there's stuff from Tomb Raider and oh. from The Dark Knight as well and loads of others. And then real pieces collected from, you know, salvaged from uh, real buildings that were done over. Are you able to just walk around and buy stuff from here or is it just like a thing to enjoy? I think you can buy things. I mean, I've never bought anything from here, but um, I don't think I've ever had a house that could house any of these things, you know? It's quite a big statement to have a six foot neon on the wall in your house, you know? I think you it could... would frighten my cats. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to own 
one of these things to have in your house. Oh, wow. Your okay. House. Well, I'd have to look very carefully. I love the old fairground stuff as well. That stuff really appeals to me. Like these guys here, these clowns that you shoot water through the mouths yeah, to the win clowns. a prize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Inherently creepy. Yeah. Stephen King knew the inherent creepiness of a, yes. of a fairground. Wedding Chapel, a lot of Elvis y, kind of Las Vegas y. Is Walthamstow the Vegas of London? Yeah. Well, this place <laughs> maybe in this very small corner it. of Walthamstow it is. Yeah. Or maybe I'd have this because it says Joe's Motors on oh, it. Oh, yeah, great. Maybe career change. Yeah. Although, even I think having your name in neon in your house, even as a joke, it's just a bad it's a bad look, I think. Yeah, it's quite YouTuber 2015, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? I'm not yeah. sure anybody wants that. It's not an aesthetic <laughs> I'm actively pursuing, I'll be honest. <laughs> This Tropicana one is great. I love the color scheme on that one. Yeah. Really, really fab. Oh, that is nice, yeah. Mm. I can see why that would appeal to you. It's so similar to some of the sort of fabrics that you pointed out in the shop as well, though. The strength of the colors. Yeah. They're great. Color's so important, I think, for mood, you know? Mm. This is why I come here. I love to just be surrounded by the light and the color of it all. It, yeah. it takes me to a stage place, you know, if I've got writing to do or, or oh. I want to feel inspired about something or try and bring that sort of theater of of color you know yeah. that's that's what this is really you stare at that thing that says your love is my light until you feel like <laughs> writing <laughs> until it sinks in i think I, I i the words don't so much appeal to me it's one of those places where you blur your eyes and just bathe in the color of the place yeah you know? yeah yeah then you start to because if you do read the words does start to occasionally feel a bit live life, laugh, love, whatever. Yeah, or like a t-shirt shop in Blackpool. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> cool. Well, this has been lovely. Should we move on? Yeah, let's do it. Keep on rolling. <laughs> okay, well, we've arrived outside our fourth location. And it's a pub. It's a pub. As is traditional. Do you want to say where we are? Yeah, we're at the Nags Head. We're at the Nags Head. Yeah. And it looks quite closed, but we're going to try and get in. We're gonna, <laughs> this is the first episode of the new series. It's going to start with a break-in. I'm going to force you to commit a crime on a fine, podcast. Fine, yeah. I'll shout through the letterbox. I can do that. <laughs> well, they have let us in now. Yes. We're inside the we building. We don't have to climb through the window, thankfully. Yeah. We're inside the nag's head. I've never been here before. Mm. I have to say, uh, not what I expected from a Walthamstow pub. No. Yeah, it's, no, it's like a different vibe. Yeah, it's not like, you know, quote unquote, kind of like charming and it's not kind of oldie worldy. It's certainly, yeah, it doesn't look like a pirate ship. No, it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what would you say it does look like if you had to describe it? Oh, I think it looks like maybe sort of a 1950s dinner salon, maybe. Yes. You know, it's, it's pink and green and a little bit kitschy. We've got lots of icons on the wall. There's Jane Mansfield up there. That's it. Uh, Prince is round the corner. David Bowie's up there too. So, um, yeah. I, I think there's something a little bit sort of pub in a butlands about <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure that's a compliment, but okay. I, I mean have, you ever, have you ever been to Butlins? Excuse me, I have been to Butlins on many an occasion, <laughs> and I have been to Pontins, which is the worst Butlins. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't get Butlins vibes, I'll say that much. Okay, well, maybe may, maybe I'm getting confused. Maybe it's not Butlins. Maybe maybe what I mean is, maybe maybe, maybe more like a sort of, um, like a bar in a, an army barracks. <laughs> <laughs> None of this is very complimentary, I would say. Is it not? 
I, I think I'm getting at something intangible. I think I'm getting at something intangible. I'm, I'm failing to articulate it. Is is the problem? It's nice though. That's what I'm trying to say. Is yeah. Nice, I feel nice... like it's like a bar beside a wedding chapel in Vegas. It's right. that kind of thing. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I can see where the that. people that work at the wedding chapel, where Elvis takes his wig off and goes and has an old fashioned. You know. Wow. Um, anyway, no kids allowed in this pub. Yeah. Are you broadly in favor of that as a concept? <laughs> I mean, I suppose we need children. We need a workforce for the future, don't we? But I don't need them running around me while I'm drinking. Well, you go <laughs> some places, you have a workforce for now, let alone the future. Yeah, true, yeah. true. I mean, some pubs uh, around where I live in um, sort of Highbury, Canterbury, I'll keep it vague. I don't want the hassle, the stalkers <laughs> around in. Some of them, they are just, they become just sort of like creches. Yeah. On certain days of the week. Uh, and so I do think there is a place for the, for the, for the no kids pub. Uh, I mean, a pub full of animals rather than kids. I think that's a that's a good place to be. And there's a gorgeous little cat that lives here. I don't know where he's gone. He's probably hiding under a chair somewhere. Yes, they but, took um, it in as a stray. Yeah. But when you started 15 years ago, did you sort of know how much time you're going to have to be spending in sort of bars and pubs? Well, kind of, kind of. The sort of drag I was doing when I first got to London was in this sort of weird intersection between nightlife and live art. So there was a real scene of that at the time of doing like either tits and teeth drag in a live art setting or live art in a nightlife setting. Mm. And that was what really appealed to me at the time, the sort of juxtaposition of those two things I thought was really interesting. And I, I'll be honest, nightclub is not my favorite place to be, right. really. And it's only through Sink the Pink that I actually ended up spending a lot of time in nightclubs, which was fun. To me, it's kind of like going to the zoo, you know? There's lots of fun things to look at, and you, you never know what kind of adventure you're going to go on. But it's not really somewhere that I want to spend five days a week, which is what I did for 10 years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just have a, a visitor coming in to say hi. Hello. Hello. Hi, hey, Flossie. How you doing? We're just going to have a... A brief chat, a brief hello with the uh, the very, very famous landlady of the pub. Famous enough, there's pictures of you all over the wall behind me. Um, would you mind uh, introducing yourself? Hello, I'm Flossie, I'm the landlady. Um, I bought this pub 21 years ago. and um, But I actually opened this pub for women because at that time there wasn't hardly any pubs that women could really feel comfortable in. I used to say jokingly, like men were invited, they could only come in with an invite. It <laughs> 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 weren't really, weren't really. And I did things like I took away the bar stalls from the bar because when women go up to a bar, they don't often in those days, they would be hassled by men, do you know what I mean? So I did things like, oh, that's the first thing I did was take um, bar stalls away and in the first few years I had tablecloths on all the tables and a lot of them were leopard skin. Mm. <laughs> what, what else do you think makes it different from pubs in Walthamstow today because obviously lots of people move to Walthamstow, lots of people sort of you know want to have well, a Well I was boozer. the first one here because it, at that time uh, Walthamstow didn't have the sort of clientele the people who lived there then but I could see that people were coming into the area and um, new people were coming into the area, younger people. And um, I saw this pub. It was virtually empty. There was hardly anyone in here. Am I allowed to say this, but it was quite a drug dealing kind of you pub. You can say whatever you I like. I can say that anyway. And I knew that I could change that. And we closed down for two weeks, totally redecorated. And... Um, 
I put the word around, or la, rather my late partner did, put the word around that it was going to be a gay pub. <laughs> 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 and so the men in the area weren't very happy about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but really, you you know yourself, it is quite a gay pub anyway, you know. So I, I would like to say I virtually changed the pub overnight, you know. Mm. And as soon as we opened our doors, while the paint was still wet, um, there was people coming in straight away. You know, Brilliant. So it was great. Well, anyway, thanks very much for sitting down and saying hi. It's a hi. pleasure. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll pop in later as well and have a, have a well, drink. It's a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks very much for having us. <laughs> Ginger, over those 15 years, mm. your act, uh, how did it develop? What did you turn it into? Well, <laughs> one of the first acts that I ever made, going back to what I was saying about this like weird intersection between live art and nightlife, mm. one of the first acts I ever made, I used to get a jar of 10-inch hot dogs, eight of them in the jar, and I would play a Guaglioni by Perez Prado. I don't know if you know it. No, I uh, don't. Jazz tune goes bad up. It's one of those um, like Latin jazz standards. And then over the course of the two and a half minute song, I would eat all eight of the hot dogs. I would eat a raw onion, then I would cover myself in ketchup, and then to, for the finale of the thing, I would drink the brine out of the hot dog jar. Wow. All of this while dressed as like a 1950s pinup. If I wanted to try and conceptualize it, I would say I was kind of sort of, there was a lot of burlesque going on at the time. There was that time when the, like, there was a real nipple tassel phase happening. Everyone had nipple tassels. Yeah, and I, I, was, I was kind of taking the mickey out of that, really. I was saying, I'm going to dress in this kitschy 1950s nipple tassel-esque way, and then I'm going to do this disgusting thing where I hoof hot dogs down myself for two and a half minutes. You know, if so, I could be so bold as well, it's us, it's us consuming American culture. Yeah, well, yeah. Yes, great. I wish I'd thought of that at the time. Maybe people, maybe more people would have watched it. What, what part of the process was the least pleasant? The salt poisoning that I got from doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I got booked on a touring show where I had to do it eight times a week for four weeks. And halfway through that, I, I poisoned myself. I've never heard of salt poisoning. Oh, it's not good. I do not recommend. <laughs> and that, that was from the, the brine. From the brine, yeah. Presumably because brine. I was a purist and I hadn't thought that I could just replace the brine with something else in the jar. Oh, you know, that never occurred to me. In any case, at this stage in the process, we like to broaden our scope from the area of Waldenstow mm -hmm. to the entirety of London and find out what are the things that you like and rate in the capital. Okay. The first answer that comes to your head each time, off the top of the dome, knee-jerk reaction. Fine. What is your five-star burger in London? It might be the cockfighter burger. The right. Cockfighter house burger. I love that burger. Yes, it's never a had it. It's a chicken burger. Yeah, controversial point. chicken. Chicken burger, <laughs> cockfighter. Famous restaurant, though. Uh, I've never been. What's the oh, vibe? Right. Yeah, what sort of place? Oh, I've only ever had it on Deliveroo. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so not the, not the full cockfighter experience. No, yeah. no. I suppose maybe like in-person burger experience, it might have to be the Soho House Burger. I know that's like really pretentious to say that, but the Soho House Burger is like if the McDonald's Big Mac won the lottery. Yes, it's, it's good. Like, it's quite a flex to recommend a burger that most people won't be able to try as well. <laughs> Listen, I've only ever been there because someone signed me in, so yeah, I, it's, know, like, it's a treat for me. Best burger? I'd have to say Buckingham Palace. <laughs> There's nothing quite like it. Listen, you got Deliveroo first. What else do you want? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, you know, fair enough. What is your five-star park in London? I think it's got to be Finsbury Park, actually. Two parts of Finsbury Park that I would like to highlight. One is there's a cinema.
amazing like tree-lined very long road at the end of one side you know the one I mean there's like big tall trees yes, that run yeah, yeah, which yeah. always feels very cinematic when mm. you walk down it I love that especially if the, the wind's blowing and it's sort of at dusk you can feel like you're in some sort of amazing movie Central, while you do that the main character energy yeah yes. and then there's another area of Frinsby Park that I like to affectionately call Beefcake Corner excellent <laughs> yeah. which is where they have all the like pull up bars and stuff and it's just full of very serious men trying to impress each other with right. their feats of strength yeah yeah. And it feels very sort of ancient Grecian. Oh. Uh, and I think that's hilarious. Well, Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, that does sound very funny. Um, it won't surprise you to know that I'm not welcome in Beefcake Corner. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> what is your five-star tube station? Five-star tube station. Everyone oh. has a favorite. I think I might have to choose Bethnal Green. Interesting. Because yeah. when I first moved to London, I'd never been to London before, mm -hmm. and I packed all my bags and I got on the mega bus and I came here, and I had heard that Bethnal Green Brick Lane area was yeah. fun. This is in like 2010, so I got into Liverpool Street on the train. I got the tube to Bethnal Green. I got out of that station. I went to a cafe across the road, got a job, went to a flat viewing across the road from that that someone in the cafe told me about, got a flat, and then that was it. I lived in London. I'd been here three hours. That's amazing. So I think the start of my London journey was at Bethnal Green Tube Station. So yeah. maybe that's at Bethnal Green. There's an awful alternative version of that story where you're just immediately mugged. Yes. <laughs> and you just get back on the train and go home. Yeah, next one is uh, something close to your heart. Mm. It's five-star pizza. Yard sale. Mm. Gotta be yard sale. Uh, maybe the aubergine one. That's really, really good. And that hickory sauce that they do at yard sale is like, that's the perfect pizza sauce. Those yard sale guys got something right. Yeah. And no one quite knows what it is because the margins with pizza are tiny. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like they're all much of a muchness. And something about the yard sale one just seems to have like... They're enormous. That's what they got right. Is that it? <laughs> like, it's a great pizza to share with lots of people because this, the, they're huge and the slices are huge. But also the bread is great. The ingredients are great. They're really simple. Yep. You know, I, I, I don't want a pizza that is like a music festival on the table. You know, I want three delicious ingredients on the pizza that really sing and are great. I, and yard sale know how to do that. My approach, very much, is uh, margarita. No. Let's see. Let, well, let's see what you've got, no, margarita. I'm sorry, that's really disappointing. The flavor. Has, I, the, I expected more from you. The, <laughs> the, the flavor has nowhere to hide with a margarita. Right. You, you're seeing what they're made of. They're not going to throw in their hot honey. Mm. They're not going to throw chorizo around just to hide the fact that the you know the, maybe maybe the basil hasn't been soaked yeah. in the in the cheese water. You know, yeah. like you want to just. See, the, 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 the purest distillation I used of what to pizza work is. in this restaurant that sold pizzas. And it was, well, they called them flatbreads. That's how pretentious it was. And they had one called the Chili Freak. And it was, was, this, it, was this the Jamie Oliver restaurant? Yes, it was, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lovely, lovely place. Had a great time. Yeah. Um, and there was this one called the Chili Freak. And it, was, it said on the menu, no, this pizza is very, very, very spicy. And it attracted the worst kind of men would be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have the chili freak. Yeah, and, you, and we would have to say, this pizza is covered in three of the hottest chilies you can find. And they would yeah. be like, oh yeah, 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 of course. And it was one of the greatest joys in my life to watch these men melt like old ice cream as they tried to eat these pizzas. And I'd be like, are you enjoying your pizza, are you? And they'd be like, <laughs> sweat pouring down their face. I'd be like, oh yeah, it's great. I'm like, okay, yeah. The clue a, is in the nice name, time. it's called the chili yeah. freak. Yeah. Was yeah. that the one which was by Tottenham Court Road? No, it was the Covent Garden one. The Covent Garden one, yeah, yeah. We used to, well, my first job was right next to one of them. Mm. And I remember thinking, isn't it weird they call these flatbreads? Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, it was a fun place. It was 
I remember it definitely had the vibe of a place that Jamie Oliver had chosen the music for. Like, it, it was, <laughs> I can't really describe it. It was like a lot of like what, what you would call like, like Jamie core music. I, I don't know if I signed an NDA about this at the time, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something about it and they can fucking sue me if they want to try. Go when ahead. we first started working there, we were given a list of words that were Jamie Oliver words. Amazing. And you had to try and use as many of them as you could when you talk to the guests. So it's things like, Pucker. Yes. And I, I, I believe Tasty was one of the words Tasty, as well. Tasty, yeah. I can't remember the rest of them. But, um, and they used to watch when they, you know, when they would do like audit the staff or whatever, they would watch your interactions and they would have a list and they would like tick off how many of the words you'd used to speak to. I, th I think if you're a member of the public and they, the, the server or the waiter keeps saying Pucker, yeah. I think it freaks you out. Shut you're the like, fuck up and give me my pizza. It's, 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 just, it's not a word, it's not a word that any normal person uses. Yeah, we also had to n learn the names of his kids. We had to know all really about, yeah and, that, and i remember on the first day of trade I, I probably shouldn't say any of this <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is like the it, that's a bit culty i would say yeah i know but i remember on the first day of training being like there is no way anyone's ever going to ask us about this stuff that's not true people, really people used to think jamie oliver was in the kitchen right and yeah he, he wasn't he was on his fucking mansion in essex having a lovely time what is your five star tourist attraction in london i'm going to choose the dungeon because if you want to go and see a drama student sweat, yeah. that is the place to go. And I was one of those sweating drama students, so. Ginger, this is so amazing. <laughs> this is the sixth time- Are you joking? The London Dungeon <laughs> has come up on this podcast. The London, this is no longer a podcast about London. It's a podcast about the London Dungeon. Do you think it's because you talk to people who live in London and don't go to tourist things and it's literally the only thing people can think of because they've got such a high marketing budget that we all know that the dungeon exists? Well, that's a very, very cynical view. I think it's more that the dungeon represents something really valuable. And then right. no one, it was, it's <laughs> proto. Well, and also, we're about to come on to the fact that you worked there. No, I didn't work there. Oh. I was just a sweaty drama student, not at the dungeon. <laughs> I was, I was, you were never a dungeoneer. No. What is it about the dungeon that you admire and you enjoy so much? And oh, also, I, I always ask this, do you know how much these days it costs to go to the Oh, London? it's about 80 quid, isn't it? Or something like that. No, it's not 80 quid. Well, it's no, a, like a family ticket is yes. about 80 quid. Yeah, it's yeah. a family ticket. I, I, can I choose something else then? I don't want to be one of 10 people that have mentioned the dungeon. It's too late. Oh, You're a dungeon okay, guy. Fine, I'm You're a dungeon, dungeon guy. guy. I'm a dungeon guy. What is it about it? What, what, what's so great about the dungeon? Oh, I just love the smell of fear. Yeah. <laughs> I love seeing children cry. Uh, <laughs> do, do, you, do you think also it kind of led the way in like, everyone likes going to immersive entertainment now. And like, no, they don't. Nobody likes it. <laughs> they all think they like it, but they all hate it. That's true, they actually. All, the number of immersive things that I have been a part of that right. have made me want to die. I, I couldn't even name them all. There are so many of them. What do you think is annoying about the immersive... I, well, the immersive do you, wave. Re, do you really want to get into this? Well, I do because it's part of my life and my job okay, as well. Fair. As yeah, all right. What's an, the truly immersive shows and immersive experiences? I think are amazing. Yeah. What's not amazing is the proliferation of the word immersive. Yeah. As if it is a genre. Yeah. As if it's something that people can just you can just call anything immersive now and it's like oh it's an immersive experience no it's not it's just a room full of people yeah like to do something truly immersive is really really difficult and there are companies and there are um theater companies and all sorts of people that do do it very very well sure but i think 99% of people selling immersive experiences are not doing that at all and that's what really annoys me about that there are two separate like balloon experiences coming to London soon. Oh, I've seen that on the tube. Two different ones though. Like one of them is sort of marketed as like, here's a really vibey, fun, 
Insta-friendly balloon experience and the other one is here's a very interesting examination of the history of balloons But they're both the same thing. They're both like immersive balloon experiences. I, I, I tell you what this makes me sound very old Do you know what's really immersive reading a book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay yeah, Because you have to bloody concentrate. Yeah, and you have to get immersed or like seeing <laughs> seeing a comedian or going to the theater For me an immersive balloon experience is put me in a balloon. I want right. to be inside the balloon. That's immersive That's being true. surrounded by balloons is not immersive. Also, do you know how filthy ball pits are? Right. Do you know how right. disgustingly filthy they no, are? No, I, I don't. I was I was in a place recently where they had the machines and they have these amazing machines that are like bingo machines yes. that suck up all the balls and clean them and I saw the filth that was in those ball pits. If you imagine uh, it, it makes me wretched to think about it. it oh my me God. To think about it. Never get in a. If you if you care for your health, do never get in a ball pit. What what is it? What 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 is the uh, the filth? Oh, it's it's people. It's people. <laughs> it's sweat and skin and alcohol and and people get up to shit in those. Do they? Yes. People are people are gross. Yeah. People are absolutely gross. And and anything they can do to spice up an experience for themselves and change their miserable little lives, they will do it. Are you saying people are wanking in the ball pit? I am saying people are wanking in the ball pit. <laughs> I'm saying people are wanking each other. I'm saying it it, it all happens. My word. Well what happens <laughs> This took a turn, didn't it? <laughs> it, it? It took a turn. But you know what? It's a turn the public do deserve to know about. Yeah, don't get in a ball pit. It's yeah. bad. Yeah. And what is your five-star city that's not London and you can't say New York because New York's cheating? Fine. I'm going to choose... I'm going to choose Belfast. Okay. Because I was there last weekend and I have a very short memory. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you want to you shed any more light on it or is that enough? Oh, I just had a really good night out in Belfast. A, a better night out than I deserved. Let's say, let's say and if more. anyone's going there as a holiday or they're passing through, yeah. and there's one recommendation you could give them for mm. an area or a place, where, where are you saying? Uh, we, I spent quite a lot of time in a nightclub called Boombox. That was really fun. Boombox. And uh, we were at uh, the gig that we were at before, the crowd were chanting, uh, Boombox box boom box because that's where they were all going to go afterwards and i thought they were chanting bin bags bin bags <laughs> bin bags so uh yeah there you go yeah well they actually everyone else did go to a much cooler club called bin bags <laughs> i thought they were calling me a bin bag oh, right. which is fair it's fair okay well thank you very much for showing me around your walthamstow have you had a nice time i had a beautiful time um, we were speaking earlier about uh, a possible uh, drag name for yes, myself. Yes, we need to work that out before we go. Uh, you mentioned uh, something about the, the, the Warlock concept. Yes, very what, good. Why is that important, do you think? Warlock is good because I don't know anyone else that's a Warlock. Mm. So, And drag should be an expression of you. And it's so it's memorable because nobody else is doing it. So I think that's a real... You, you also, you don't have to be a drag king or a drag queen. You can right. be a drag thing, a drag monster, a drag Warlock. So A drag Warlock. I was thinking who are famous... Uh, sorcerers and warlocks, uh, Gandalf, right? Yeah, famous warlock, Gandilf. <laughs> yeah, great. That works. Great, love that. Love Gandalf. that. So, uh, uh, I'll book so you. I get your blessing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, wonderful. Well, I hereby christen you, Gandalf. Ginger, thank you very much, and uh, yeah, see you later. <laughs> see you later. Well, that was Ginger Johnson's Walthamstow, and what a lovely day out it was for me. I can report back and say that Ginger Johnson is as affable and clever uh, and as funny as they appeared to be on TV when they won the hearts of a nation through RuPaul's Drag Race UK. The wetlands is lovely. It sounds like Ginger spends a lot of time there, so 
you know, if you want to meet Ginger, do just hang out in the wetlands, hide behind a shrub or in the ditch. Wait for them to come by and, and jump out. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. I should also point out as well that I made quite the faux pas at the start of the episode uh, when I told you that Brian Harvey, the singer of E17, um, had died. Brian Harvey, very much still alive. And in fact, someone that we met today said they'd seen him just a week ago. So sorry to have spread that rumor, didn't mean to. Brian Harvey, he survived the incident with the jacket potatoes and the car, but um, yeah, very much alive. If you want to see more of Ginger Johnson, House of Johnson is where they reside on Instagram. It's too late, sadly, to check out their wonderful Soho Theater one-person show, but you can book tickets for Angels of the North, uh, which is coming to the Shepherd's Bush Empire and also touring around the UK, but coming to London April the 18th. That's uh, the show with Michael Marula and Tamara Thomas as well, which is uh, sure to be really, really good. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe. There'll be one along every single week. Now the second series is rolling again. Second series bound to be far, far better, far, far stronger than the first one, as is usually the way. That's, that's how it normally works, isn't it? The second one eclipses the first one and everyone prefers it. So yeah, if you enjoyed it, see you soon. Like and subscribe, etc., etc. Love thyself and love thy neighborhood. Cheerio.